What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Yo Kratom, home of the $6 keto and none other than sheath underwear. The underwear that separates your balls from your dick and you use promo code RYM, you get 20% off. And uh, speaking of discounts, that's the worst transition or introduction ever, but we're going with it. I have none other than Dr. Carr here with us. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. It is a thrill. We have back Dr. Carr from the FAGCast. And firstly, I'd like to uh, congratulate you on the doctorate. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it just came in the mail. Thank you so much for your uh, congratulations. And was that a hard thing to achieve? I don't know how you become a Dr. Carr. Uh, it was honorary. It was honorary. I didn't work for it, uh, but you know, it was appreciated nonetheless. And you got some developments with the uh, in Fagcast world. Firstly, I don't even know if you're still going by that name, but you're, you're launching more episodes. You're trying to take over. What, what do you guys got cooking? We're dominating, man. Yeah, we uh, we we well, we had a little bit of a issue. Uh, we tried to unionize. That backfired. Uh, they burned down our studio, so we had to abandon the studio. Uh, we're no longer friends against government. We had to. We just had to get a fresh start. So now we're timeline Earth, and uh, we we got a third third co-host, and then a fourth. Uh, is doing a solo show. So yeah, we're expanding. It's, uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Who's, uh, who's the third wheel now? Uh, Aaron, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's come on. He, he was a guest on quite a few shows before, but he's come on as a full-time co-host. And then, uh, our buddy Paz is going to do a solo show under our, uh, under the timeline earth banner, I guess. Now, I don't know where you're recording out of, but it looks like you're a dude who moved into his cubicle. <laughs> uh, no, I'm in my office, uh, and I'm in the middle of rearranging everything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's the nightmare in here, man. It's now, you're, you're down in Texas, so it's not winter in any capacity right now, right? Not really, no. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's like 60 degrees during the day here, so. Now I know that you uh, you snowboard, but mm -hmm. did you ever live in an area that like had regular winter, or you have you always been a Texas person? Oh no no no! I uh, I moved here from Colorado, and then I went to school up in the mountains uh, in the mountains of Virginia. So yeah, no, I'm very familiar with snow. It's actually Texas is a was a shock to me initially. I, I'm more of a cold weather guy, um, but uh, yeah, I I, I uh, it's it's de it's definitely warm down here. <laughs> Sid, maybe you can get my back on this one, but I'm finding it's only this winter and last winter, but when winter starts, I just get starving. It's like some sort of a bear thing that like to your body just tells you to put on weight and eat more sandwiches. I don't know what that is, but like <laughs> I become like a pregnant lady where I'm just convinced I'm hungry. And it's like, dude, you just ate a meatball sub. You don't need a second meatball sub. <laughs> you just do it. It's that hibernation, man. Is it like, like it's just that, something that. In, instinctive that when it turns cold, your body's like... Yeah. Fatten up them titties. Yeah, you're like I'm gonna mm -hmm. be stuck in the cave. <laughs> Maybe I don't know what it is, but I gotta like trick my brain. I gotta like retalk my brain out of eating more, like more. Um, Mr. Nah, Doctor, that's what, what winter weight is for. Well, winter you got you guys got a you just got a bunch of snow, right? Dude, that first snow, like when it first hits, firstly, I love, I love going outside. There's like a yeah, smell yeah. to fresh snow. You know what I mean? Yes. There's like a freshness mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, and it makes me want to go. It makes me want to go skiing so bad. Yeah, what's your ski schedule, man? We got we to gotta do it. I know I bailed on you last year. I couldn't make it up to a steamboat when you were up there, but we got to go. We got to go shred, man. I want to do uh, – I'm hoping to do a longer run this year if I can book steamboat. Um, but yeah. I'll definitely know you – like, come out for sure. We did two shows yeah. last time. Um, my yeah. friend Kyle is another libertarian and comedian. He's a real cool dude. So, um, yeah. And I think they, they're putting Shout together to a little bit of a Mises caucus out in Denver. That they reached out to me about possibly doing a show. So for sure, you should uh, hop on board the tour, dude. 
Hell yeah, dude. I'll be there. Start writing some stand-up. You got, you got three months before uh, oh, God, man, no, together. No, no, no. You guys see, that's the thing, man. Like, that is such a different medium. And I know, that, I know that you guys know that, but I think that a lot of people don't understand that. Like the idea of, that, that, the idea of like crafting a stand-up show is so foreign to me. And like even being, you know, podcasting and all that stuff, that's a, it, you're just talking about two different worlds. I don't even know how you guys do it. I, it going from start to finish with like an arc and then everything tying together. I don't know. You guys are a different breed. Dude, I was so excited to do your thing last year. That was so annoying to me Dude. that that fell apart. I was so pumped I know, for it. man. Me too. I was pumped to see. I was pumped for it. And uh and yeah, it was it was gonna be hopefully this year they don't they don't F with us with the uh with all the COVID shit. Uh, I mean I we're gonna do it regardless and we we did it regardless last year, but yeah nobody we didn't have any of the plans that, you know, the, that Jacob had laid down and uh, it was unfortunate, but uh, yeah, hopefully this year, man. Are you, are you thinking about coming down this year? No, I'll be there. I, the only reason I didn't make oh. it this past year was because I was living from home. And if I left, I couldn't come back to home. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh dude, it was a disaster because it was like right when it was really hitting too. Like, so it was just, and yeah, people didn't disaster. know what the deal was. You had to be really ballsy yeah. to get on a flight then. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, am I going to be let back into my state? I have no idea. Like they were literally stopping people in the, at the Louisiana border. Like who gives a shit? People are coming back and forth between Texas and Louisiana. Nobody cares. Yeah, but the flights like were like $5. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're still cheap as hell, man. I was looking Absolutely. at the, I was looking at uh, flights up to Seattle to see a buddy. And uh, it was like, or was it Seattle, Denver, Seattle? Uh, maybe it was Denver. It was like 49 bucks per Jeez, way. Crazy. That's so yeah. I should be doing more traveling. I got no reason yeah. to be in this shitty apartment of mine. Like nah, literally no. none. Otherwise, except for I all like the sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. I, and those string lights behind you. Those, <laughs> yeah. That string light motif are, you got going on behind you. That's this great. is a, you got to set the good vibes, you know? Hell yeah, dude. Hell for yeah. yourself when you jerk off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you jerk off to the COVID being gone someday. <laughs> well, I don't want to jump ahead topics, but that's a smooth introduction to the next thing I want to talk about, which is, uh, and we'll get into some actual news in a bit. But I just got an Oculus, and let me tell you, jerking oh, wow. off in 3D is the best yeah. invention since jerking off. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. Have you, have you experienced 3D yet? Oh, no. No, I have not. I have not. It's, uh, what that's what a, about that's, you, Sid? Have you checked out the Oculus? Nah. Only 3D I ever did was at a Salvador Dali art museum, so it was nothing like... <laughs> Dude, it is all right. This is how unreal it is. So first thing I got, and the first thing I'm doing is I go, all right, let's see what the porn is like, and it is so real. I had this first moment thing. where like the, the the lady's like walking up to me, and this is how real it feels. You're like, you have that moment of panic in your stomach, like, oh, is this actually going down? And then you're, you're like, don't blow it. <laughs> you're like, don't blow it. Don't blow it. Don't say something. And then you realize like, there's no way to blow it. It's digital. <laughs> they, they, they turn you down in, in AI too. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> it's very real. Very, very real. That's like when you Too think real. you're having, you're having a wet dream and you're like, how did I blow this one? <laughs> this is supposed to be a dream. Not again. That's, that's how you know AI is too advanced already. Is they're turning you down like you would if it was real life? Yeah. The, the other thing that just was, um, I, I put it on and I forgot that like I wasn't wearing headphones and I was just blaring porn in my apartment and you can hear everything. <laughs> my neighbors can hear me right now talk about this, but their kids across the hallway. It was not, it was not a smooth move. Hmm. Um, all right. What, uh, Dr. Carr, what is your actual like job job? What do you like do? I'm a civil engineer. Civil engineers, which means yep. what you design cities, plumbing bridges. I'm actually on the sales site. So yeah, I do. Uh, I sell like uh, civil engineering stuff. I don't want to get super, super specific, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the sales side of engineering. 
Oh, that's fun. I'm in sales. Do you have to do a lot of your own prospecting or do you get mm-hmm. the yep. stuff? You got a prospect. I hate prospect. That's the part of sales. I'm just like, I'm a lazy person. I'm fine with yeah. the, the negotiating everything. Once it gets going, I got like a short brain. So even if it's like two or three steps from the sale, I'm just out. I need a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of it helped because I wasn't always on the sales side. So I have a network from, from when I was on design. Uh, so it's not, it's not nearly as bad as, uh, as it could be for sure. Oh, so and the, you probably have a better, or like a, I'm going to say a more secure sales job because people actually probably need to know a little bit of the engineering to actually. It's not, yeah, it's pretty, it. it's pretty technical. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice. I like it. It's a good mix. Uh, too, too much design and I get a little bit bored with it and too much sales. I get a little bit bored with it, but it's pretty, pretty, uh, evenly distributed. I really enjoy it. Okay. So I'm happy here that you got some sales experience. Cause I got something that was really bugging me this week and I feel okay. like you're a little bit more level headed than I am. And so perhaps mm. you have some advice for me. Are you okay. an angry? Cause I, I tell like I'm an angry. That's, that's like, if anything, my kryptonite for sales is like, I walk around every email I get, I'm, I'm like walk around circles in my apartment. Fuck this. But like, I gotta constantly <laughs> tell myself to calm down so that I'm not <laughs> no, ruining not like business. That. You're not like that. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So maybe this is like too much of a Larry David curb your enthusiasm take, but I'd like to somehow introduce to the world that I find I have a lot of interactions where like people are either ignoring me or doing things where I almost got to be like a trial attorney where I got to bring them like a lot of evidence why they're wrong. And then once I do that, they'll finally get on a phone call with me. But prior Mm -hmm. to that, they won't get like, they just ignore you and you really have to like homework to pin them to why they're wrong and then you get the friendly like or they just call you like once you start being an asshole like because mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. pinned them they'll just call you and now i'm starting to think like i waste so much effort being nice and like gathering the evidence to show why they're wrong to then get to the point where i can be aggressive and then they reach out to me and i'm like maybe i gotta trim all that fat just be really aggressive yep. up front and and get right to the aggressive part because prior to that no one's courteous and there's something about like, I feel like if you're ignoring me, like I, the best way I can say it is like, we've all had girlfriends or people in our life that push you to the point where you get crazy. And then you look like you're being the asshole. Like mm-hmm. and that's part, and they know what they're doing. I feel like 90% of my business day is that where people know they're ignoring me on very specific questions. <laughs> and like, fuming. I gotta, you're just fuming in your apartment. Yeah. And I almost, it's like, uh, when children are molested, you got to put the shame back on those people. Like yeah. they are the ones who are being the assholes by ignoring me. But then you, like, if you call them out, you feel like you're being the prick. So I, mm-hmm. I I'm asking you if maybe you got some suggestions for, uh, I, I'm wondering how you handle these kind of things. Oh man. I, I see. Here's the thing, right? As I'm, I'm very bad at being, at being, uh, I'm very bad at that side. Uh, you're, being I'm, assertive. I'm, you're like me, you're a pussy. Uh, I, I, I'm not good at being like angry, I guess. I'm not good at projecting anger. I'm, I can be, I can fume internally, but I can't project it. I can't project it effectively. So I just, I just, I've completely abandoned it. Um, I only project anger when I, when it's just, it's, I can't help myself. Like when I, when I'm pushed into a corner, but, uh, I, I just can't. Now, would it be better? Perhaps. I don't know. Sometimes like, yeah, you always have those clients or those, uh, those contacts that you're like, dude, this guy just will not respond unless I'm a complete jerk off. And that's just the language that he speaks. But I, I'm right. not very good at it. I'm out of my element with that. You see, I'm fine. I'm kind of the opposite where it's like I'm anxious and angry all the time. So I always have to like, 
delete those thoughts to come normal. Sid has seen do you it do, in full effect. Do you like, do the thing where you uh, do you do the thing where you write the email about seventeen times, deleting it, like like, and then it just gets progressively more and more politically correct. Like where the first one is like, "Listen up, jerk off." <laughs> <laughs> and then you like delete, delete, delete. All right, all right. It, hey, it, good morning, sir. <laughs> I more I actually, and this is probably ex- exhausting to the other people I work with but I check with people before sending aggressive emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'll write them up and then call like, Hey, is this all right before I send it? Cause uh, yeah. I know I've got that thing where I'll, you know, I'll ruin business because I'm just, my immediate reaction to everything is, well then fuck you. I don't need your, I don't need your contract. Like well, yeah, we just yeah. won't do business next month. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I don't give a shit. So sure. I frequently have to check with other people. Cause sometimes it's like their client and they put me on the call and I'm like, hey, this guy's being a jerk off, but like, it's your lead. So I don't want to go ruin this for you. Well, but I feel like how much of that is like, how much business do you do in New York City? And how much do you do in the surrounding area? Like, I feel like that's got to be a big cultural difference where you're like, all right, I'm dealing with like the city folk. And then I, and then if you've got somebody upstate, it's probably completely different. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's, um, so I, I'm nationwide, but I am dealing okay. with like marketing people. So everyone's kind of sales. So you're definitely dealing uh, okay. with aggressive jerk offs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. It's the nature of it. I'll get better yeah. as I go. That's the, the beauty of sales. Uh, Bitcoin, you turned me on yes. to it. It's got to be the best investment I've ever made in my life. Um, cool. I wish Good. I'd bought more. I, I got lucky. I literally bought did. it. I bought it at the bottom. I think I bought it when cool. it hit that 4,005. And if I actually knew how to pay taxes and I knew how much money I had, I would have put more in. Whatever. It's done great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I got a million Bitcoin questions for you because you're my Bitcoin guy. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So first is, I think, unlike the last time, because we're over the last peak, but it seems mm-hmm. to me like, and it could just be the headlines, the articles I'm reading, but the institutional investors are starting to take more note of Bitcoin. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when, because Bitcoin is not like a stock where you're investing in it because you think there's going to be future income or like the, you know, their investments they made or did well. It's more that you think more of the market's going to recognize it as currency. So there's actually going to be more of a demand for it. Uh, and it seems like, unlike any other product, the more people we attract, the more it solidifies the fact that it, it can exist as currency. And yeah. what I would say that like the real money has yet to come, like I don't think your pension funds are really there. My dad yeah. isn't, like your average yeah. Wall Street investor is not there. So there's a lot more money that can pile into Bitcoin. Uh, so just what's your expectation in terms of how high this thing can really go? and what we might see over like the next couple months. Just wild ass guessing based on what you've seen. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. Well, let me let me preface this. I know that you probably want a quick and dirty answer and I just, I, unfortunately I don't have one. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I see people that I kind of would say are re- relatively credible saying anywhere between, you know, I've seen people say 50,000 and I think that's really low. Uh, and then I see people say 500,000. I think that's a little bit probably on the high end. Um, I, I, the truth is I don't know, but, um, you know, and nobody does like, if they tell you that, then they're a scammer. Um, but are you still buying more at this price? Yes, because, but I don't, and I, I'll buy more at a million. I, I, because I think it's the best money that that has ever been invented and it will be global money. So there's no reason I, I, it's not an investment for me. It's it's just saving. So at the end of every month, when I have a cash balance, I save it in the best money known to man. 
period. There's no reason not to. Why would I want it in anything else? So yeah, I mean, it, and, and I don't even, I barely, I don't want to say I barely look at the price. Like it's fun to see your, your opinion or your, your expectations validated, but, um, I'll, I'll, I, I, you could just completely eliminate the dollar price from my buying app and I, I wouldn't matter. I would just go in there and buy with whatever I had at any time, period. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I, so I, I think that the idea of, you know, if you look back at through the last 10 years where Bitcoin goes through these cycles where, you know, it'll hit a supply shock after a halving incident where there's just people start to realize that there's not all that many Bitcoins floating around. Um, after that, that, you know, a Bitcoin having, and then that'll start to help to drive demand, uh, or drive price. Uh, and that in turn drives demand again, which drives price and, and so on and so forth. Um, I think one of these cycles we're going to break out of the cycle. In other words, I think at some point when people cease to, or when people start to think about Bitcoin as a unit of account, um, there will be no need for a bear market because people won't be thinking about selling it back for anything. And I, and, and a lot of us have already gotten rid of that thinking that, that I'm not selling it for anything because it is money. So I just want more of it. Um, but I think that once a critical mass of people start to think of Bitcoin as the unit of account rather than the dollar, rather than the yen, rather than whatever, you won't have a, you, you won't see these dr drastic bear markets after a big bull market. Is that this cycle? Is it the next cycle? I don't know. Um, and that is why I would advise just not selling it is like, why, why bother? It's, it's on a five, 10 year, 20 year time horizon. It's going to do really, really, really well, or it's going to go to zero. There's no middle ground. It's, it's, it's all or nothing. Interesting. Now, in terms of, I'm noticing that there's more and more, I'm going to say, like secondary products to Bitcoin. Um, and by that, I mean, I mean like things where you can lend your Bitcoin, borrow against mm -hmm. your Bitcoin, yeah. uh, apps for wh whatever it is. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. just in your opinion, like uh, in, in, that seems to fall into there being more utility for the actual product. What are yeah. kind of some of the things that if you're holding Bitcoin, like just in your opinion, you should be aware of or are smart things you could be doing with your holdings in Bitcoin? Yeah, sure. So there, there's a, well, smart, you know, it's all risk and reward. I think the, the problem, probably at the end of the day, the smartest thing to do is to learn how to set up very cold storage that's very safe and not touch it. Um, if you're insistent on taking a little bit of it and trying to earn a return with it, I think there's a number of ways that you can do that. One is you can provide liquidity for coin joins. And that is the, uh, that, are, that is these mixing services. So basically like envision a washing machine and everybody tosses their coins in. And then at the end of the wash, you take it out. Um, it breaks deterministic links to where the coins came from. Um, so providing liquidity for that, you can earn a return. Um, you can, you can lend your Bitcoin like to a couple. like you're helping launder basically. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, to to clean it, to to get rid of KYC AML, to break any deterministic links because those are very dangerous. You do not want your bitcoins uh, associated with your address, and we know that your we know that um, you know a lot of institutions are very shaky with data management, and and like, like the treasury just got hacked, right? I mean, like two days ago. How, how much in, how much personal information got got leaked there? What if that happens to a bitcoin? What if you just bought ten bitcoins? And uh, your their their database gets hacked, and th your address is just out there, and you have two hundred grand or whatever it is of, or yeah, a lot more than, or more than that uh, of Bitcoin. They know where you live, and there's no there's no there's no th this isn't the U.S. dollar. This isn't a bank account. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, you want to, I, I firmly believe in privacy and you want to break those deterministic links and, and wash your money. Um, so you can do that. Um, you can provide, there's a second, uh, layer to Bitcoin called the lightning network that is far more geared towards daily transactions. And you can provide liquidity on the lightning network again for, uh, for return. Um, you can, you can provide your Bitcoin for lending. Uh, in USD. Uh, there are services for that. I, again, everybody needs to do their own research. I don't do this stuff. I just buy and hold. But uh, there are ways to, to actually earn a return in Bitcoin. And I think some of it looks reasonably safe. I mean, I, 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 I certainly wouldn't put my whole nest egg in it. But uh, maybe if you had a little bit that you wanted to play around with, sure. Now, uh, on that note, I guess one of the criticisms of Bitcoin uh, being used as currency, and this is a fabrication of government that they decided it's not a currency, it's an investment and you're going to get taxed on your capital gains. Right. Mm -hmm. Are there any workarounds in terms of like, have companies come around and created like credit cards where you can almost buy like, you know, I, I guess trade your Bitcoin, but then settle the transaction in us dollars. So it's not an actual taxable event. Like have, has anyone kind of figured out a workaround where, you know, maybe you're, you're you're trading against what your Bitcoin is, but settling an actual currency or something else so that you could actually use your Bitcoin without creating taxable events. Well, I think even if you did that, the trade would still be a taxable event and you would be subject to capital gains, right? Because if you trade big, like dollars for yen or something like that, that's a taxable event. It would be subject to short-term capital gains, provided it was all done within that year. Right. Um, the best way to do it is to buy and hold. It's not taxable. I mean, not, to, not to really use it for transactions. But then what you're describing well, is not really well, using it as currency. It's more as like a savings uh, tool. So you, so you, well, A, yes, I think that's for, for people in the United States, I think that's probably for most people in the United States, I think that's probably its most profound use case right now. I, th I think you should use it for what is what it is most useful to you. For example, in Venezuela, people are using it to buy bread. You know, that is probably their greatest use case um, mm -hmm. in, in America. Like for me, as long as people are willing to take my filthy dollars, I, I want to pay them in filthy dollars and I'll, I'll keep the better currency for myself. Um, but that being said, technically a transaction when you, if I were to buy a sandwich um, with Bitcoin, technically that's a taxable event the way that they've, the, you know what they almost need. I don't know if you could do this, but like, uh, I mean, this is kind of crazy talk, but a secondary ledger where you're making the transaction in Bitcoin, but almost not like, imagine if me and you, um, it, like the same way we could hand cash back and forth to each other. And so it's cash. You can't. So like, I would think there's almost a secondary way where you and I could almost write a note to each other. Hey, I'm giving this to you for blank amount of Bitcoin at blank's dates value. You, so in other words, you just, you just literally described the lightning network. That's oh, exactly because, what it is. Right, it's amazing. And so in other words, yeah. you're able to do transactions off ledger. Yeah. So it's not really a taxable event. Um, is it taxable or is it not? It's kind of questionable, but I wouldn't report it. There's no way they're going to, I wouldn't even report a regular, I've bought stuff with Bitcoin. Well, I mean, allegedly I bought stuff with Bitcoin and never reported it as a, uh, as a taxable event because there's no, I mean, unless you're going out there and buying a house that's like super high visibility, high visibility, they're not going to, there's just, it, as it provided that you go through, you know, understand how to use Bitcoin, understand how to cover your tracks, understand. Like I'm in Coinbase. You know, if I, if through Coinbase, I went ahead and bought something yeah, from Coinbase. Yeah, like bought a house like, through like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah, obviously they would be able to understand. But if you, if you have a non-custodial wallet where you and you alone control the private keys, particularly if you're running your own node, 
uh, and, and particularly if you wash your coins, they're, and they're certainly not going to track you down for anything less than I can't imagine a hundred thousand dollar or 50,000. I mean, don't take my advice on it, but, uh, uh, yeah, but what you're describing the wash lightning your network, coins, clean your nodes, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but the, the lightning network is, is basically what you described. It's, it's where we would, where if we do, uh, if we do a lot of business, for example, we would lock up, let's say a Bitcoin between us, and then we would just pass IOUs back and forth on another layer. And it's basically zero fees. It's very, very private. Um, and then, but it's not just between you and I, it, with the lightning network, you could become an, a, a node that could pass it to someone else. So it creates this huge mesh network of people and we're all, we can all pass back and forth and it's very, very, very private, or it can be incredibly private if you use it the correct way. Okay. And so, there's no, and there's very, very little fees. There's almost basically zero fees. It's like one Satoshi, two Satoshi fees. Right. And then also the transactions I'm sure take place a lot quicker, which is Instant. one of the, yeah. Um, all right. I read the Bitcoin standard. That was your recommendation for me. Oh yeah. And now cool. I, I'm a, I'm a believer in Bitcoin and I, I like his take that, you know, um, that since Bitcoin firstly has first mover advantage and it's the only one that's entirely, uh, beholden to rules and no individuals yeah. can come in and make any tweaks. Uh, that's what really makes it have the capacity for currency and that's what will give it its longevity and nothing else will be able to duplicate it. Uh -huh. With that being said, I think as certain people with Bitcoin being the flagship product convert to Bitcoin, they're also being converted to digital currency. And so I mm -hmm. think if you see more money pouring into Bitcoin, you will see more money pouring into your Ethereum. I don't even know yep. if I'm pronouncing that right. And yep. your, your Bitcoin cash, your Ethereum, whatever. Um, so my question for you is, are there any other cryptos that you're invested in and like, do you touch the other stuff? Do you think that even if they're not quite, they don't have the intrinsic value of Bitcoin, if you're just kind of making an investment, you know, money's going to be coming into digital currency. So those are going to go up or you just, do you just not touch them? No, I don't touch them. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, why, you know, I mean, why would I, I don't believe in any of them. Um, I don't believe any of them provide the utility that Bitcoin does. Uh, and, um, at this point, I, it, it's just, it's very, very easy and very, very comfortable to buy Bitcoin, send it to cold storage and just keep stacking sats, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's easy. It's tax free. Um, and makes me sleep well at night. There you go. All right. And then last Bitcoin story, uh, part of the problem, me and Dave, we don't really talk the financial stuff that much. Uh, uh -huh. if any, I think I'm a little more interested in financial topics than Dave is and sure. Bitcoin hasn't really done his homework. And it's one of the things that the audience will be like, talk about Bitcoin, talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. So I throw it to you here because I know, generally speaking, why the libertarians love it. And it's essentially uh, the chief good of governments is their currency. And so this creates a way to almost compete with government or exist outside of government with the most important thing. But with mm -hmm. that lead in, which maybe I don't even have right, I throw it to you if you want to give the Short summary for the run your mouth fans of why Bitcoin is like this libertarian wet dream of kind of this, the, the, the technological solution for beating government. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I think I would throw it back and I don't know, I can't remember, I know we've talked about it, but I can't remember ex like what era libertarian you are, but back, um, back in the Ron Paul days, um, if you were to ask any libertarian of that era and I'm one, I was Ron Paul 0708, uh, what, what is the key to moving towards libertarianism? 
it would be three words out of everybody's mouth and the fed and the fed that's that's it get back to sound money you can talk all day long about everything that is downstream of that but at the end of the day central banking has allowed all of these ills that we complain about day in and day out and it doesn't matter if you're on the left it doesn't matter if you're on the right it doesn't matter uh, all of these social problems or most of them a large 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 chunk of them um are caused by central banking and the the ills that 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 basically fake money and seniorage allow so um i would say that and in that era, you know, that was even before Bitcoin and even during the Ron Paul 2012 days, like it was really early on in, in, in Bitcoin's history. Um, but for, for some reason that died, like that, that idea died. And I'm not sure why, because it was a sound idea, in my opinion, is that sound money, cre you know, eliminates all of, a lot of these problems or a, a big sources of them. Um, Bitcoin is gold on steroids. Um, it is hyper sound money. And uh, not only that, but it's sound money for our age. It's, it's global. It's for the information age. Um, and it will allow so much commerce all around the world. It will allow us to improve our quality of life. And it will come with no drawbacks of, uh, of money printing and counterfeiting money. Um, and not only that, but it's even more sound than gold. So, um, you know, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network uh, seeks to align incentives, uh, human incentives. It's, it's, it's based around game theory and humans are, 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 are incentivized in a proper environment to work together rather than working against each other. And I think Bitcoin will, will allow, um, will, will bring a resurgence of that. I think we're on the precipice of one of the largest eras of human flourishing known. And as we just uh, wrapped up talking about Bitcoin and protecting your assets, what could possibly be a better time to talk about sheath underwear? The underwear that separates your dick from your balls and keeps everything neat, tidy, in place, so that if you're on the go, you're, you're one of these athletes, you go to the gym every day, trying to make sure that you look sexy as hell. But here's what's great about these underwear. Even if you're not that person, even if you're getting all loose in your... In, in your uh, your, your trunks over there, you're letting your, your booty get all flabby, you're, you're not doing leg day, you're not doing the squats, you're not lying on your side, lifting up your leg back and forth, back and forth, you're not walking around with those little bands and, and doing that, that, that workout where you open your legs and you close your legs, then you yell at the guy to quit scaring at you because you're just trying to do your workout, and uh, just because you're wearing a mask doesn't mean that they can't see your eyes and the fact that you're just staring at them trying to see if they're showing a little bit of muff in their spandex. <laughs> Anyways, back to sheath underwear. I wear myself some sheath underwear. They are so comfortable that I used to not be into briefs, but now that I'm wearing the sheath, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sheath man. Otherwise, I'm not wearing briefs, but I'm a sheath man. I like that little sheath hole. I shove my wiener in it. Then they got a little shelf for your balls. You can actually let them like lay there. They get some nice support. And uh, let me tell you, if you're you're living that active lifestyle, you're going you're going for a bike ride. Uh, you're doing some other exercise. Uh, it's nice. It's nice to keep everything separated. Uh, and it's quality underwear. What, what can I tell you? I mean, I've been wearing shitty Fruit of the Loom forever. I have the pair I got on right now. They got holes in it because it's shitty underwear, but not sheath. Sheath 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 don't shred. It stays intact because it's got that elastic, good old fabric. Uh, and no, seriously, guys, 
Uh, sheath underwear, great underwear. Just uh, go get some for the holidays. Give it as a gift. Get some for yourself. Promo po- promo code RYM is going to get you 20% off. That is uh, sheath underwear. It's fantastic underwear. And, uh, you know, you can wear those regular boxer briefs. They're great for working out. And you can separate your balls from your dick. All right, back to what we were talking about. To totally change gears here, have you sure. been watching the uh, the Mandalorian at all? No, not no, no, I haven't. Uh, but I've heard I've I've heard about it. I want to start watching it. What is it on? You, it's on. Uh, you need some some Disney Plus action. Are you a fan oh, shit, of Star could... Wars in general? Um, not a huge fan, but I yeah, I mean, I like it. I mean, the first Star Wars movie is is incredible, like absolutely incredible. I was more of a Trek guy. All right, I could see that. Uh, yeah. Sid, you've been watching. You've been watching Mandalorian, right? We might have lost. That Sid, I right? have. That I have. All right, so we're, we're not going to get caught up. I didn't see the recent one. I didn't see the recent uh, one. We're not going to dwell on this one too long, but the man, it it's excellent and terrible at the same time. It's like fun, but it, if you want to like start poking holes in the plot, there is no real plot, and it's like the same thing every week. Uh, but just some of the things that I said, you're going to have to uh, see if you back me up on this, but these are the three things I'm just highlighting as being the dumbest aspects of the Mandalorian. Firstly is just how, and this, this is true of like all the Star Wars movies for the most part, is just how disposable stormtroopers are. That like, <laughs> they try and build every skin around like, oh God, it's the stormtroopers and they're covered in armor, but the armor doesn't do shit. And like, <laughs> they just get picked off like nothing. Like it's not even... Sid, would you agree with me on that? Yeah, and some lasers do it, and then some lasers don't do anything. Like, who's laser? Who's you know what I'm saying? Like, who's what? what it's la- Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the consistency? It's like, all right, here's another one that bothers me. Their entire thing is like they sneak on and off planets. You're telling me that they live in this futuristic world. They're flying around. They got light speed, and nobody has sensors for when ships are coming on and off worlds. There's no like department yeah, for landing on a planet they do they have like um the fucking the federation or not federation or uh, uh um like the fighter you know like the fighter jets that luke skywalker flew in when he blew up yeah. the death star those dudes they they're piloting people going in and out of i don't think it's plant maybe it's not planet to planet but it's like galaxy maybe because he gets like he gets checked remember in like a couple episodes ago when he went to that frozen planet it seems like most planets, they just, like, there's some super important base, but then they just land no problem. Well, dude, they it's just... kind of like the fucking border. It's kind of like the border. It's like there's some places where it's really, really hard to get through, and then there's parts of Canada you can just walk through the woods. Yeah, I guess that's true. You can hang out with the uh, um, Sasquatch and smuggle some drugs. All exactly. right, and then here's the last thing I got on the Mandalorian is, so he's he's got precious cargo, he goes to all these planets. There's enemies all over the place. And then he just leaves his ship open. Just <laughs> leaves the back door right open. The whole time. <laughs> Every time. And no one ever takes anything from him. And as we talk about Mandalorian and sitting alone in your apartment, watching terrible television, as you watch your life just pass you by because you can't get up regularly and do stand-up or other things that you like to do, but maybe you can, but you don't really want to leave your house because... There's a thought that there's nowhere to go, but other people are doing it, but you're just not because you think you need to stay home for some reason. Well, that's what Yo Kratom's here for. Whatever's going wrong in your life, whatever it is that you're not taking care of, that you should be taking care of, whatever's sitting in the back of your brain and you realize that's something, a thought, I should really ignore that because it doesn't make me feel good about myself. 
Well, whatever those thoughts are that are rattling around in your brain, if you're over the age of 21 and, uh, you know, you, you, but do your own homework, yokratum.com, home of the $6 kilo. There's nowhere else in the world that's going to get you a kilo for $6. That's unheard of. Doesn't exist. Nowhere. I, uh, I, I tell you, do your research. When Santa Claus comes over, del- delivers some cookies and blows your mother, um, hop on that sled with him, go roll around the world. Uh, tell Rudolph that he's not going fast enough and whip him with a whip and be like, fucking speed off, speed up, Rudolph. We're looking for a better deal on Kratom, but you can circle the globe. Circle it, circle it, circle it. You're not going to find Kratom for less than 60 bucks a kilo. It's not going to happen. And these people, they'll just ship it right to your doorstep. You don't even need to travel. You don't have to uh, go to your gas station, your local head shop, nothing. You just go to yokratom.com. And uh, you don't even need a promo code. That's how good of a deal this is. I mean, you can try a promo code. You can call them up and tell them you got a promo code. And they'll just be like, listen, it's already 60 bucks a kilo. We can't do any better. So, uh, you know, throw some love. Best best sponsor in the comedy game. They get out there. They sponsor everything that's cool. Because uh, they're cool. That, that's the sign that the old Kratom people are cool. So, you know, celebrate Christmas with uh, some Kratom under your, like, and by the way, you're not going to get like kilos of weed. So if you want to stash up on some drugs underneath your Christmas tree, uh, get a couple kratoms a kilo. All right. Back into what I was talking about. Dr. Carr, I want to talk Texas life for a minute. You're living that good yeah. Texas life. Uh, do you own oh, yeah. uh, Do you own your or, or rent? Own. So your, your property has got to be doing great. Texas seems like it's just so hot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's doing all right. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's, I live in a little bit of a poor neighborhood, so like, it's not, um, it's not like Tesla's moving into my backyard or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's nice. No complaints. I remember I was so excited to do, um, your festival, Childerberg. Yeah. Uh, and what I was really excited about was firstly, Dallas is one of the biggest podcast markets. If I look at back end numbers on podcasts, really? like, yeah, Dallas is in like three for mo- for a lot of podcasts. I- I've looked on the back end. It's like New York, California, and then Dallas. Dallas is a huge Wait, market for yours specifically, or just in general. Eh, it-, it seems like I've looked on the back end for a pretty wide range of oh, okay, comedy so, wow, podcasts, and Dallas yeah. is like a huge town, right? So yeah. I was really excited. Like, and this is last year. I was really excited to do Skankfest in Houston. And I was excited to do your thing in Austin. I've always yeah. kind of thought Texas was cool. And I've always yeah. wanted to like, I always wanted to own farmable land. And I started looking like yeah. an hour south of Dallas. And mm-hmm. you can get like, not it, I, listen, I don't have money to spend like buy. But if in my area, if you wanted to buy a nice house, like just a nice house with, you know, right next to your neighbors, no lands, you're looking at between 500,000 to a million bucks. That's basically oh, no. in my yeah. area. Your area, three hundred grand. You've got a beautiful house an hour from Dallas on a lake, yeah. couple yeah. acres. You are Dude, golden. Yeah. Not that I have I, that kind of money, but it's not inconceivable. You know what I mean? Like it's not. That's not like. Dude, for, it, dude. The, the, I'm, I mean, I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm looking for property to to you know build a kind of like a homestead out in the in the country. I mean, you, you can get like ten acres for. 10 grand like i mean it's ridiculous like texas is crazy i bought my i bought my house and it's a duplex so i ran out of the other side i brought i bought this place for the price of a luxury car oh yeah that's sick like that's and just to me be knowing that if the world goes to shit you've got your own land and you can grow shit if you need to 
that's like just worth all the money in the world to me just to know that and i'm lazy i'm not i don't even cook dinner there's no way i'm gonna grow shit if it gets there yeah that's not gonna happen but just the fact that you could if you needed to um you live in, are you in austin or you're no i'm in fort worth where i don't even know where that is it's 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 Dallas Fort Worth is the metro. It's on the west side of the metro. So Dallas is kind of like the big like booming city, and Fort Worth is like the cow town. It's they're very different, um, but they're in the same metroplex. So I I don't really see myself moving, but if if Rogan really opens up that club in Austin, Austin might really become like the new comedy capital, especially if these other cities continue to be closed. Dude, people are people are moving here, man. And I mean, listen, I I moved here from Colorado. For five four years ago and i i really didn't like it at first but it it takes a second to kind of get in the vibe and like get into speed but man since i i I mean i'm not saying i i won't move away at some point but i'll i'll probably always keep property here because i do texas is rad man it's it's uh, faster paced or lower paced lower lower so you gotta like dude i have that even here because new york i I can take him my bagel spot back in new york fucking move 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 it's unbelievable how hard those guys work you walk into a store out here you you feel like you need a cattle prod just to get decent service everyone's just like and and this is connecticut that's not even i've meant uh when you go more and more rural and people are just moving it there you're like what the fuck is going on here come on like like, yeah yeah Yeah, you get into you get into the speed of it and and uh yeah it's it's uh it's it's just different man it's it's really really different i've lived i've lived a couple different places uh you know through in the u.s and uh it's it is a i mean i love like probably the most fun was colorado uh but i i really really love it here and particularly if you're looking for a place to buy some land uh at least like politically it's pretty stable and without a lot of like crazy shit going on well i think if anyone Um, succeeds it's texas first or it's california first and texas second and if i had to choose which of those two i'd rather be it'd be fucking texas for sure yeah i mean yeah for sure yeah absolutely yeah dude texas is rad particularly like out uh have you've been to austin right i've never been to texas dude oh really dude austin's beautiful and west of west of so basically like uh the 35 the i-35 corridor goes north as i actually got to drive down to austin tomorrow morning it's about two hours two and a half hours south um and uh but but basically if you go west of 35 which is that corridor it starts getting into hill country and uh and it's just absolutely beautiful there's not a whole lot of people around beautiful terrain uh wide open oh man it's 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 pretty cool the new hampshire people are gonna hate this because they're trying to get everyone to move there for the free state project and i like hanging out with those people i like new hampshire we'll see when i finally buy my farmable land where i end up but something, and I've never been there, but Kentucky just kind of speaks to me. Oh, yeah. Because, God. Appalachia, man. Yeah. Firstly, I used to love that show Justified. And so yeah. there's something about those Kentucky bars and just the, the look of the place that seems awesome. You also mm-hmm. got all the, all like the bourbon down there. Oh, I'm yeah. Rye drinker. Uh, yep. But then I love, uh, you got Mitch McConnell. You got, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about in a second. You got yeah. Rand Paul. You Rand got Paul. Massey. Every time Rand yep. Paul and Massey say anything, I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to move down there and support them. They're the only people yeah. speaking some reason. And then I love that McConnell is just – I mean, I don't know the dirty side of McConnell. I'm sure he's got the dirtiest of the dirty side. But I love that he's like – you got Kentucky, and it's like to the rest of the world, fuck Kentucky. But somehow he's managed to get voted in for what, – what's he been there, 20 years? I don't know how long he's been oh, there. Oh, man, forever, yeah. And he might do a ton of terrible shit, but like – Everyone hates him, but Kentucky likes him, and he manages to give people shit for the budget every year, and maybe he's just helping out the people of Kentucky, but there's a part of me that's like, I want to get down there and be part of this Kentucky thing. 
Dude, yeah, well, and I can't speak exactly for Kentucky. I've lived in the mountains of Virginia, and, and I'm from North Carolina. Uh, but um, the Appalachia region is just it, – it's awesome. It's one of the coolest places you can live, in my opinion. And, uh, and, and probably the reason that a lot of these people don't get voted out is probably because most of Appalachia doesn't really give a shit. They're going to do whatever they want to do anyway. So, um, you know. Oh, they just don't even just care a, to vote. Probably not. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but man, when you're up in Appalachia, you're in a different world. It's like they, it, they, it's like any remote area. They they do their own thing, and they don't really care what anybody else does anyway. So, um, do you uh, do you camp at all? Yeah, I got to get into camp because I keep like uh, I'm still like wired for. I do stand up comedy every night. I can't yeah. take any breaks. I need to be in yeah. like at the moment my weekends well for a while i was working on my end of year thing which is about to come out like i do nothing like with my like and i don't care like i could go anywhere do any i'm just not so i gotta start seeing a little bit more of the country do you do you have a car i do i got uh my grandfather got dementia and i took his subaru so yeah i got wheels what kind of suit what kind of subaru oh so uh dude i could talk subarus all day my current subaru I got... my current subaru looks like a camry it's like a, it just a whatever legacy but yeah, like it's, it's still fun to drive. Like it's, uh, yeah. especially up here. Sometimes when I'm bored, I'll just go. Cause, um, you get like these forest, like windy roads and it's, mm-hmm. um, it still has a little bit, it's got that tight steering wheel. So it's yep. got like a little bit of that rally car feel. And even on Absolutely. the highway, it's fun. I used to have a 97 Subaru legacy GT, which is like a real oh, just yeah. boxy manual yep. rally car. Yep. I miss that to this day. This car is not quite as fun to drive as that one was. Cause they went a little mm-hmm. bit more, just hear something that you can commute in. But even today in the snow, I was ripping through snow. Like the, the yeah. Subarus are awesome. Oh, dude, they don't give a shit. Dude, so here's what you got to do, man. This is where my namesake comes from, Car Camp It. Okay. I, I've, got, I've got an Impreza hatchback. I've got Ooh. a mattress in the back. And, I, and I've got snowboard rack on top. You're close to the mountains, man. What you do is you go up there, you, put a, you pack. If, do the back seats fold down in that legacy? Um, actually, I think so. Yes, I so believe so. You can get cut a little uh, foam mattress to put in the back, take a big queen-size foam mattress, measure it out, cut it out, put it in there, sleeping bag, pillows, snowboard or skis or whatever you do, and just go up there and camp in your car for the weekend and just go shred for two days. You'd freeze. I think you can pull that off in Denver in the Northeast. Yeah. I don't think yeah, you can sleep yeah, you're right. in your car. Cool, huh? It gets like yeah. – it gets nights where it goes like in minus 20 minus 30. I also, I'll tell you, I had one experience of, um, like I had, I failed. I did well in college for three years and then I failed the same semester for two straight years in a row. Sure. <laughs> just, sure. just what I did. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no stranger to academic probation. <laughs> <laughs> I went to whatever. It was not a fun experience, but at one point I convinced myself one semester I was dropping out of college and I was going, I was going full-time stand-up comedy. That's what I was doing. Yeah. And that's when I was like hitting open mics every night. And like, I was convinced I was going full-time comedy. I was going all in. That's the only way you make it. I got to go all in. Right. And I had one night cause I had, um, I actually had a Subaru, uh, like station wagon at the time. So you could really oh, yeah. like, so I had one night where I was like, you know what? I'm going to get hammered. I'm going to hit up a bunch of open mics and I'm going to experiment with sleeping in my car and see what that's like. Like, cool. who knows? Maybe that will be my new lifestyle. Maybe I'll buy a van. Be a dude lives in his car, just does open mic. I could not make one night in New York City sleep in a car. Yeah. Every time someone walks by, you wake up. The worst thing is when you wake up, you got to pee. There's nowhere to pee. You're in a car. Where, where are you going to pee? You got to take a shit. You're fucked. That's it. That's the end of your camping trip. Well, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Sleep, so I discovered yeah. pretty quick sleeping. And then you know what happened? It got to the end of that winter break. 
And then I realized that in my two, three or whatever it was four years doing stand, I don't know what, where I was then probably like two years in, I was like, well, my plan of going full-time comedy, I've done nothing but spend money as a comedian. So this really isn't a smart plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, dude, camping in New York, car camping in New York City is a whole different deal than car camping, like basically at the rest of the world so, or the rest of the country. So, I mean, I wouldn't give on it, give up Sid, on you it. Got, uh, Sid, you got uh, any just camping gear? First of all, in my car, I have two tents ready to rock. I got blankets. I have like um, that like silver shit that they put on people when they find them in the woods. Space blanket? Yeah, those that shit. Space um, blanket. Yeah, space blanket. When, yeah, uh, I got um, like a mini hatchet, at, like fire starter, and pretty much everything. I got cans of food, bug out bag. in case. Everything when, uh, you need from New York City. Yeah. When the weather gets nice again, we'll do a shed cast weekend. Take some mushrooms, get outdoors. I love it. I love, oh, I love, but here's the thing. I love, camp. I, a good time. <laughs> I like two good days, like one day hike, crash in the tent, next day, do something, get it out of there. Then I got a shower. I don't like doing two nights mm. in a tent. I like one night in a tent. You know, you okay. know, the, the, the key is having um, a body of water nearby. That's how you get to that third day. Because you need something to do for that third day, too. Because you're like, what am I going to fucking go hike the same fucking spot? Right. Yeah, the last time I went, this is years ago, I went camping with some friends. And then <laughs> I, I realized that they were friends in high school, but now they were too stupid to hang out with. Um, I don't know if you've had any of those people in your life. For sure. I'm but probably first, that person to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so first, we like we didn't leave to go camping to like, I don't know, like 10 p.m. We get to like, and the first campsite we showed, there's just signs all over there, no camping, like there's dangerous mosquitoes. And they're like, now nah, we're still going to camp. And I'm like, every time I've gone in camping, I get bit up like by mosquitoes. If there's a fucking sign that says like there's poison, we're not camping here. And they were all mad at me that I made them. I was that person, like the, the mom of the trip that I, that I was like, there's a fucking big ass sign that said, you know, dangerous. That, that, <laughs> that one had me convinced. So we go to the next thing and like, I thought we would, like get hammered and then do something all these kids wanted to do because like they were living at home all they wanted to drink smoke weed and eat chef boyardee that was it they literally wow. were like we're going camping we're picking up chef boyardee as a kid i was jewish we weren't eating no chef boyardee and mm. you remember those commercials like the spaghettio that thing looked amazing it looked like the most delicious thing you've ever seen in your life those noodles mm. taste like somebody else ate those noodles already like you were being mm. fed it like you were uh, you know a, a mom bird into a baby bird second so, noodle yeah the time before that went camping was actually a really fun trip me and a, me and a buddy uh we went like uh hiking in in israel and we just like oh, wow. we got lost we ended up uh outside of like uh um whatever it was it was just fun because we were just like hitting random hills and you like we got so lost it was just nothing but hills for a while and you had to like vertically climb on stuff and that was a real thrill hell yeah i did Cadillac mountain with my dog uh, just me and my oldest dog uh, last summer when my girl was at her internship down in Florida. And it was sick because um, Cadillac Mountain up at uh, Acadia National Park, it's the first place that the sunlight hits in America in the morning. Oh, that's rad. Um, and I took my dog. We climbed the mountain and he got to take a piss at the very top of the mountain. So that's awesome. Like, the top dog. You know, I think Family Guy did a skit about it, but like I actually brought him up there to do that shit. <laughs> Yeah, your skit was called Life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Marking your territory with urine never gets old. You know yeah, what I mean? Me and, like, both, me and him both did it. Yeah, it's only natural. Yeah. Uh, okay, bringing it back to Kentucky. 
Thomas Massey was the only person who was really opposed to this uh, new federal marijuana bill. Uh, I was not really able to follow this because Tom Massey seems to be real cool and having reasonable shit to say on everything. On this one, he didn't quite, I guess, get the full story out. The only thing I got was he was saying, why don't we just make this federally, just like leave it to the states or make it, you know, federally legal. Uh, and the way that this is being done, I guess it's creating profiteering for certain industries, but he didn't fully explain the story. So I was curious if you had any information on that, because that was one of the ones I was trying to do my homework, but I couldn't quite see what was going on. No, I, I actually ha- I, I haven't. I legalized marijuana uh, in on my property a long time ago, so I have no real interest in what the U.S. government's doing. But um, I, if I had to assume, I, I think I don't know too too much about Thomas Massey or politics in general. But he seems like he's fairly legit. I would have to assume that they were trying to cram the bill full of yeah, like profiteering bullshit and like favoritism and and all that. But yeah, it's kind of a weird. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it, I keep it simple on my property. Pretty much everything's legal. I love that. Is Texas, uh, I don't know, is, 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 is this feel, still feel like Texas in a conservative sense that it's not that easy to get your hands on weed or it's really harsh penalties no. for having it or it's just no. as Austin. fair game as everywhere? It's fair game, dude. Because, uh, yeah, Oklahoma's, Oklahoma's medical. I think every state around us is at least medical. Um, they've, they've actually, I think, think decriminalized completely like they, and i don't remember if this is fort worth or texas but I, I think it might be fort worth because they're strapped for resources i think anything under like two or three grams they won't give a ticket for i think they did the uh, same thing for austin yeah yeah then it may be it may be state of texas i think they were just like we're spending too much resources anything less than two or three i don't know if it's like official like i, I don't know necessarily that i would bank on it but that's kind of their attitude now are are there asshole cops yeah pretty much all of them but just uh it, that the general vibe is not like uh, people outside of Texas would have you feel about it. It's it's um, pretty chill and easy to come by. All right. Now, with the whole shenanigans that took place with this election, I don't know yeah. if you watched any of the uh, – so firstly, you had all the reports of, like, the statistics stuff that looks screwy. Fine. It's not convincing to me one way or the other. The reason just being that you can, I don't understand statistics well enough to verify a story. So you can always point out to me, it's like pointing out constellations in the star to tell me my future. Sure. You can line (laughs) things up and tell me something. It's a nice story. I don't know. I can't verify this. I'm not smart enough to tell you. Now, some of them seem screwy. Some of them seem not plausible. Fine. The weirdest thing is the fact that, you know, he was ahead they shut it down and all the firsthand stories, I mean, it was crazy to me. I watched these actual yeah. things. You have testimony, testimony, testimony by individuals who were there, hundreds of people with the affidavits, and then they just verified it. News played none of that. The only thing they played was that one crazy drunk lady to go, look, this is their star witness, and this is all they have. That's not yeah. all they had. You had a lot yeah. of reasonable people, a lot of which were um, – minority women who are usually the ones that we go, you got to listen to, or like yeah. the people that usually put up on a pedestal. Are these are the people that we need to, you know, pay mm-hmm. attention to. Like this is the marginalized group. Okay. Person after person giving that firsthand testimony of, I saw crazy shit happening. Um, I'm curious what your general takeaway of, in terms of, uh, do you really think that this was election was stolen? And do you think we're ever going to get the actual story here in any capacity or is this whole thing just going to get brushed under the rug and we move forward? Um, yeah, I mean, I think basically all elections are more or less fraudulent. Uh, so 
I mean, it was it stolen? Yeah, I'm sure. Like probably just like everyone is. Uh, but that being said, wait, so you think Trump stole the last one? I don't. I just think that there's all sorts of bullshit going on with every single election. I can't imagine any of them are are straight up like they advertise. I mean, there's just way too. There's just way too much going on. There's way too many attack points. There's way too many like. I, the entire process is insane. Like a bunch of people are going to come together and drop paper in and then <laughs> this guy's going to count it and then he's going to hand it to that. Like they're, they're, it's just attackable from every different, you know, angle. So I, you know, to the degree that any election is legitimate, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea nor I don't really care to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, it, it does seem like I, I actually said it on our show and I, and again, I don't care one way or the other, but um, I was like, man, this seems, this seems really, really wild. Um, some of the, some of the anecdotal evidence and then the affidavits and stuff like that, that were coming, that, that were being signed and, and the people that were being interviewed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's that, I, it certainly looks fishy to me, but they all look fishy. I don't know. I, I, it's probably not the definitive answer you wanted to hear, but again, I'm not really a good politics guy. To, <laughs> to Fair enough. That's why we had you on for the uh, Bitcoin talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Once we get into politics, I'm like, I'm a fish out of water, man. I have no idea. <laughs> I like it. Cause you're like, I don't need to follow this day to day bullshit. I got my libertarian philosophy. I'm keeping weed legal in my apartment. What yeah, more do you yeah. need from me? We had, we actually canceled our election on my property and I just maintained, <laughs> uh, I'm still the emperor on this property. So we That's didn't have that. any shenanigans here. That's the best approach to it. On the Hunter Biden story, do you think we'll ever like? Do you think there's going to be more reporting on that? Do you think this investigation? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I th- I think I think that um, I think that these high profile things, there's just too much temptation for blackmail and stuff like that. And I mean, I well, let me let me put it like this: like that information is being preserved because it's worth it to preserve it for somebody to blackmail somebody with it right i mean i would think uh okay. and so when you do that at some point somebody's gonna screw up and we're gonna figure out exactly or maybe not exactly but i wouldn't be shocked if we found out pretty explosively but but i mean i don't think i don't think it's gonna go anywhere i mean just, you know people don't even remember epstein really anymore i mean that was <laughs> that was insane you know i mean we all knew we all kind of knew what was going on prior to his arrest but uh you know that, that was a really explosive but the thing real no- story there was i remember when you finally got in trouble for it and i actually was like wait a second but this story's been around forever like why yeah, forever like this has always been known this epstein pedophile thing like that was just a yeah, I, I, that was just number one conspiracy. People would just say, "Hey, there's this Epstein guy, and he's a pedophile." And then mm-hmm. it turns out that the FBI basically threw out the investigation until. Uh, uh, go fact check me. I read the news every day, and I drink, and I half remember things. That's all I can really tell you of my approach to the news. But from what I remember, they lost a Freedom of Information Act where they had to actually put forward what their investigation was, and then. Once everyone was like, whoa, wait a second, you had clear evidence, you just let the guy off. Then they went, nope, we're running a new investigation. They pulled him in immediately because, but nobody seemed to really go, well, why did the FBI try and throw this out until they couldn't? And they were real slick about turning gears immediately. And then also nobody's talked about this safe since they've taken it. It was public knowledge that he had a safe full of like tapes and pictures that they took out of his New York apartment. Like, in mm-hmm. other words, the CIA reclaimed what its asset was, and then they just yep. never spoke about that again. 
just yeah, yeah. it's crazy it's crazy i bet i bet if you went back and watched the news when that was breaking and like there were all these narratives that were that were there and, and even we as probably more slightly more at least vigilant uh news watchers or news uh, attention payers uh you would be like holy shit i totally forgot about that but your take's really interesting to me. I haven't heard anyone else say that, that essentially the reason why he hasn't gotten in trouble for this yet is that people have and know this information, but they're able to blackmail for it. But as this story gets bigger and more people get their hands on this information with the desire to blackmail, at some point that just ends up being public knowledge because it's not just one powerful guy who can keep his mouth shut about in order to bribe Maybe. that's interesting. yeah i mean i i don't know I, I again i don't know i but i mean that that seems to be the the modus operandi is is you know in these these sorts of things so that would be my that would be a, a, a guess maybe not the, a great one i don't know you know it just seems like a lot of um you know it's just power games and i'm sure that the information if somebody wants the information preserved, the information will be preserved uh, for leverage. And particularly now that his dad's the or the president-elect. All right. As we head into Biden, uh, and who knows how long he's actually going to be president for before it just gets turned yeah. over to Kamala. I think the sooner it gets turned over to Kamala, uh, the better, because I think she's so unlikable and nobody ever would have voted for her. And as much as he tries to ram down the – hey, I'm a person of color and you got to respect me and we got to mm. prop up into it. Like that whole thing is just going to be irritating because she can't sell it because she's so unlikable that I think yeah. it's going to be a service to all of us. I am a little bit, uh, I am, however, a little bit afraid of um, Hunter, I mean, of uh, Joe Biden. Now, I think the lockdown thing, now that the vaccines have been created, um, I think maybe they're going to turn this whole thing around and go, look, the Democrats saved us. They got the vaccine and really mm -hmm. was that they shut us down, pretended like there was some horrible problem. And now they let us out of the horrible problem. Uh, but there was that video he's talking about a hundred day of masks. That's all I ask is a hundred day of masks. Uh, so I'm just curious in, and I also, I, I saw there's been chatter about, him putting people into the Federal Reserve and adding to the charter, um, not just full employment and inflation, but also yeah. policies that will end Janet Yellen they put in place talking about that, which then all of a sudden it's like these policies that we aren't voting for, which I'm going to call extreme socialism, they're putting into the branches of government that we don't vote on that like the same as they just hand money over to the big banks, which is a bit, just as much of a problem. They're going to expand that into... Uh, and it reinforces what I think to me is, I, I guess, me being a person who just says offensive dumb shit, and that's the career I'm trying to have, uh, the <laughs> nuisance of PC is the biggest, really the biggest thing that affects me. If you go like, yeah. listen, I, I don't want you to go to war with Afghanistan, or, or, or like you want to go to war, with, I don't yeah. want you to go to war with Iran. But I'm your day-to-day -day life. My day-to-day -day life most, is yeah. more affected by having to deal with PC nonsense and the policing of ideas than the war with Iran. If, you, if I had to choose between the two, would I say I prefer not go to, yes. But yeah. you know what no, I mean? No, understood. The thing yeah, that yeah. actually affects me is the PC sure. thing, which I think is going to be worse under Biden. I think that was the one nice thing about Trump was that he opposed that. And so he was able to kind of shine a light to the fact that most of the country doesn't really agree with yeah. that and as much as you could preach it it wasn't the reality um so i just ranted a bunch i'm curious to hear your thoughts on whether it's just going to be more of the same doesn't really matter or if things might get tangibly worse 
Man, you know, it, it, it's such an interesting question. And again, me being not the political scientist uh, of the of of the group, uh, I'm not. I can give you my thoughts, but take them with a grain of salt. But I think. Um, even though Trump has left, I think right-wing populism is more or less here to stay. I think he woke up um, a lot of people, like you were saying, to the fact that, oh my God, we, you know, I, a lot of people probably felt like you, where it's like everybody believes in this political correctness and I'm the only guy who doesn't. And then during the Trump administration, there was a lot of people that realized, oh wait, no, a lot of people don't believe in this shit. This is ridiculous. Um, and I don't think that Trump is going to disappear. And in fact, I think he, there's, there's a, decent chance that he becomes more powerful if he were to parlay this uh this what he would term and he may be right election fraud uh and his prior election or his prior president presidency into a uh media mogul type of situation he could be a perpetual thorn in the side and he could keep that right-wing populism going for better or for worse i'm not saying i support it or don't support it um but i i think that people are looking i don't think this it, I think the potential exists for this not to be a traditional transition of power where you remember like two days after Trump took office, it's like you didn't see Obama for a year, two years, three years. And then finally he kind of came out of hiding every now and then, but I don't know if that's going to be the way that this goes. And I think you have a, particularly with the lockdowns, I think you have a really, a lot of really frustrated business owners and people who were right, who might be leaning even further, right? People who are in the center, they're leaning right because they're so damn frustrated with uh, the fact that they can't feed their family. Not like uh, I'm tired of people saying that I'm offensive. I literally can no longer put food on the table. There's like there's an economic incentive now. And so I don't know, man. I, I guess maybe I probably didn't answer your question specifically, but I'm just saying I don't know that the quote-unquote Trump era is over. I, I think that it's really almost just getting started. That's so interesting because uh, you're right. Usually – the politicians are really all on the same team. So when Obama goes away or replaces Bush, they're not attacking yeah. the previous guy because right. exactly. they're all kind of in on the same racket. They're going to go make their yeah. money. And so there's a certain courtesy between them. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Now it could be like uh, Dave just did a great episode where he kind of talked about how Trump didn't really yield the power that he had and didn't really seem to care to. It'd be interesting mm -hmm. if what we're not seeing, because Trump definitely, he serves himself. That's all he's doing now. Sure. He seems to do well by, you know, I'm going to say like being the wrestling heel and being mm -hmm. the opposing party. And like, yeah. not that we're all rooting for him because he's opposing them, uh, but it could be that whatever cash payout or whatever incentives coming his way on the back end, the same way he didn't really quite pull us out of these wars. So he might not really go there, but I, I, I think he's here to, I think he's going to, I think he's going to fight back on the outside, which is going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, and, and again, maybe he won't, but I, I think that there's, there's definitely a possibility of it and it, it'll, it could be like nothing we've seen before. And I mean, and then you get into the situation where it's like, okay, well, what if Biden puts a mask mandate in and what if Biden says all the States need to limit capacity to 50% or whatever. And Trump is sitting there in a news network saying, I wouldn't have done that. If I were right. if I were president right now, I wouldn't be doing this. And then you've got the entire country who maybe thinks they got ripped off on the presidency, whether they did or did not, is kind of irrelevant. Um, perception is reality. And a lot of people, not the least of which are the true left, who are really pissed off at Biden right now, particularly since he turned his back on Black Lives Matter and a bunch of these uh, further socialist, um, true socialist movements like the Biden folks. I mean, by, I mean or uh, uh, Bernie folks. I can't remember if I said that. But, uh, you know, he's turned his back on all of them. So he's effectively literally pissing off 
everybody except for the neoliberal centrist, you know, kind of warfare welfare guys, you know, the, the McCain to Biden kind of continuum. And I think a lot of people had buyer's remorse as soon as he said that mask mandate thing, among other things. And it's like, if you've got Trump being like, no, I wouldn't have done that. I would be bringing you jobs, whether he would or not is again, perception is reality. Right. And he's just sitting on the outside, like, no, the economy would still be booming. No, you wouldn't have to wear a mask. No, you wouldn't have to lock down. No, you, I could, you could have your business open and, and Biden's got to sit there and contend with that. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really difficult if Trump chooses to chooses to pursue that. That's true. And the worse it gets, the more Trump can claim, Hey, I would have, I would have prevented all of this. So, yep. Yeah. Um, and and, and he has a way, he has a way with the media. He has a way of, of whether they think they've won, they haven't. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And the way that um, the Obama administration um, pinned a lot of the toxic shit that they did during the recession on Bush, I don't think that Biden, if we do go into a recession, I don't think that Biden is going to be effective in pinning it on Trump um, to the majority of the population, provided Trump wants to continue to step into the ring and stand up for his name. And so that's going to be super, super interesting. Do you think, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of the middle class that's going to be in trouble uh, because, I mean, some of the real conspiracy articles, I got to do a better job of like taking notes of where I'm reading stuff. But somewhere I was coming across today that they were talking about um, you're already starting to see major Chinese companies coming in and buying up shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, you want to just go conspiracy theory route. They've yeah. created an environment where most people can no longer afford their real estate, their business, their this or yep. their that, which creates a landscape where the rich people can come in and buy it all up for nothing. And then yep. all of a sudden have taken over industries that were once on, or they had to p- face that now in a free market, that doesn't mean that new people aren't going to come up and be able to compete with them. But you definitely do have some losers right now. And it's specifically because of what government did to them that they're no longer able to maintain their businesses, which is, which, which is just terrible. With that being said, I yes. don't think the Fed will do anything other than whatever it can to at least keep the stock market going up. Like I, if they need to start buying stocks directly, they're going to be buying stocks directly. Um, now at some point, I don't know where that ends up or at some point I think it needs to reset. I don't think that they've got the endless tools to combat inflation and keep the market going up and keep, you know what I mean? Keeping the illusion of everything. But in terms of, I guess like that giant crash that like, I mean, people are affected right now. I guess I don't really see them because I don't know that many people that own restaurants. You know what I mean? So like there have definitely been people that have been hollowed out, but it doesn't feel like that. I wasn't alive for the depression, but it doesn't feel like we're in that depression environment where I guess the stock market crashes and then companies are like companies are going under and then you feel like you can't even get shit. I, I don't even really quite know why that's worse than the environment we're in now. Because like you, businesses are failing now, your private businesses are failing, but it seems like enough of the infrastructure to kind of keep things up and running. Maybe I'm just being selfish. Maybe I'm just saying I'll be able to buy shit from Amazon and my job's okay. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. No, I, I totally agree with you. It's super weird. It, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I've been working through it. Um, and even the, the bars and restaurants that I frequent have managed to stay open. Now, they have... Um, 
they uh, and I know, you know, my friend owns one of the bars that I go to. And like, I know that basically he locked out because his lease was up in March and he never resigned. And the owner knew he wasn't going to get a new tenant during that. So they basically, you know, kind of worked it out throughout the uh, throughout the the deal. But how that ripples to his debt payments and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I your overall your overall um, gut feel it, I, I share. It's it's bizarre. I I I I know there are people suffering. I know there are people hurting. But in terms of my day to day life, if you had told me in March that you were going to shut down sixty percent of the economy or whatever it is off and on for the next eight months and basically harass people, I would not have thought that I would be here being like, well, my Life is kind of the same. Same. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it's it's super super weird. But really, uh, yeah, the only I, guy I know who's totally fucked is Sid. That's it. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I I don't know, man. But uh, but to go back to your to the more conspiratorial side, um, I, I I would like to see more people entertaining the fact that a lot of this stuff was uh, originated in you know CCP originated you know China. Um, originated and i and i do go ahead no no go no no go ahead i you were you were on an interesting train of thought there i do uh i do wonder if we are in the midst of you know wars are fought with the the best technology of the time and i think that information is that that technology right now um uh or or it's the most powerful thing that you can fight with right now and i do wonder if we might be in the midst of what in 10 years, we'll look back and we'll be like, Oh, wow, that was World War Three, you know, um, and it's just an information war, just just fear, projecting fear into other countries to get them to, to ruin themselves to hurt themselves so that you it's easier for you to pray. Um, I don't I don't know. But uh, I, I, I look at I look at, you know, there, there, there's, there's certainly smoke, I don't know if there's fire, but I think I could present a decent enough case, uh, anecdotally that that may be going on. Um, and I mean, we know it's news report after news report. We were talking about this on our show recently. If you look back over the last two years, and if you look back over the last 20 and you were to compile every single seemingly low key at the time news report of, uh, Chinese agents infiltrating some university or some department in the government or some like with, with Eric Swalwell, with, uh, his, uh, little, uh, uh, bunny that he was screwing around with until a few years ago, man, you, it, it makes it look like this, the entire power infrastructure from the the schooling systems um, to the media to the government itself are crawling with Chinese agents and man I mean if that was the Chinese a true Chinese attack and information attack they did a damn good job on that note I was thinking about this uh, um, obviously I'm uh, um, very much for, pro free trade uh, yeah. and uh, I think uh, it's that old thing, you know, we company, company countries don't compete. They trade and is uh good stop trade, whatever it is, crossing borders. Yep. That's when wars Boss, start. Yeah. I, yeah, I believe all of that stuff. Um, I was thinking the other day though, if like, let's just say, for example, I knew that you on your weekends, I don't know, went to Cambodia and raped kids. And uh, right. yep. that was, that was your thing. And on the same note, I knew that you could sell me uh, uh, cameras for half the market value and I could be making profit. I don't think I would do business with you. I go, hey, man, yeah. that guy's he rapes kids. I'm not doing business yeah. with him. And but, that's, but that's, few, yeah. that's free trade, though, right? You can't be free to trade if you can't be free not to trade. Right. So that falls under the umbrella of free trade. I mean, you're, but you're I, opting I, not I, to trade. 
Right, but I do wonder if maybe our approach with China has been a little bit wrong here that we we do look the other way in terms of a lot of like horrible things that they do in order so that we can trade with them. And as like, and this is part of, um, I, I, I think is the, to me, one of the biggest problems with government is um, because they exist and they make certain things legal, we feel like they've made the moral decision for us because it's their job to kind of make the, and that's what, yeah. that's part of the service of government is most people don't want to think about a lot of things. So the fact mm-hmm. that McDonald's is, you know, it became an education thing that McDonald's wasn't healthy. Whereas 10 years yeah. ago, eating McDonald's every night was not, you wouldn't think of it the same way as like, you know, drinking a six packs every night in terms of health because it's legal. The government yeah. said it's okay. So, and they're not telling me it's not okay. And, and, it's almost you take government out of the equation, people start after making decisions for themselves. And I think that mm-hmm. that, that forced accountability um, actually pushes us further down the road. Uh, yes. But part of the service that government does for everyone is to go, well, we're going to make these decisions. And the fact that they say certain things are legal equates to some form of morality because governments, mm-hmm. if it's immoral, government's supposed to be the adult in the room that goes, hey, we're not going to do that. Um, and I wonder on the China thing and I, by this is not me making a firm, like I'm not saying, I I haven't totally thought through this. This is more of a shower thought the other day, but long-term, if maybe we should have more opposed China on some of this moral stuff, and maybe if they they were going too far with stealing intellectual capital, and maybe the total free trade approach specifically um, to China actually wasn't, all things considered, the best strategy. Yeah, I mean that that'll be for that'll be in terms of pragmatic uh, uh, the pragmatic pragmatic side of it and the strategic side of it. Uh, if you're analyzing it from the idea of a nation state, I think that history will be the judge. Um, I, I definitely think you have a point, um, but I think to your point earlier of the idea of the false sense of security when you think that government is making your decisions for you, um, I think that also applies to intellectual uh, capital. Um, and companies thinking that they're going to just get bailed out by the government or not be held liable by their own customers because the government is going to bail them out when, when China comes in and steals, uh, you know, all the data on all of these, uh, uh, companies, customers, for example, um, or intellectual, uh, you know, I hesitate to say intellectual property, but, you know, uh, trade secrets and things like that, um, where, where these big corporations are so in bed with the government, that they're like, oh, well, they're just going to, they'll just bail us out. So um, I think that the government I- itself created this false sense of security and, and people just got lazy. I mean, they just got lazy. And these, these people get bailed out time and time again, both in monetary terms and in and, and social capital terms. Um, and not blame for the things that they're the, that they're doing, and not blame for the things that they're not doing that they should be doing, and uh, it just creates this environment where nobody learns from their mistakes. All right. So last question. Uh, I was watching this interview with the CEO of Pfizer, who has yet to be vaccinated. <laughs> yes. He got this heavy Israeli accent. I I put this out on Twitter. Twitter. He sounds like a bond villain he really if you were to cast a bond villain tomorrow you go oh he's perfect uh mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean that i'm not just being anti-semitic against israelis who like making their money that they sound yeah. evil uh but i'm <laughs> curious uh what, what are you gonna are you gonna get that vaccine if they offer it to you tomorrow what's your take on this no i i, I won't no i i i i don't get i 
haven't had a flu vaccine. Dude, I can't remember the last time I got a shot and I've been fine. I've been all right. I mean, I, 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 I'm not hardcore, like across the board, anti-vaxxer by any means. Uh, but I do think that the human body has gone through several hundred thousand years of refinement and, you know, probably it's best to play it a little bit conservative when you're introducing new chemicals into it because, you know, we've been kind of built for, for this environment. Interesting. All right. Before I let you go, firstly, uh, I don't know if there's any other random things you wanted to throw at us or just any plugs you want to throw out. Here's uh, the floor is yours. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I've really only got one. Like we said in the beginning, uh, we were the previous Friends Against Government podcast. Me, uh, Bird, you can follow him, Bird Arcist on Twitter. Um, and then Aaron, I can't even remember his handle uh, on Twitter. I got to like- ask, did you guys want to get away from the Fagcast name? Because that, that was so funny. Dude, yeah, so – we didn't, it wasn't that we wanted to get away from it. We wanted to build and we felt that uh, we wanted to get more. It was funny because we started as a very, very hardcore specific libertarian podcast. It was com. It was always comedy oriented, but it was like a very, and now it's become like, it's starting to grow, branch and grow into different directions. And it's like, we're not, we're, we are the friends against government and we always will be, but um we want to do like different stuff. And it like almost felt like it, it kind of held us back in a, in a weird way, even though it was a great start and it was funny and it was fun and it garnered, you know, um, it got, I got some attention and stuff like that. But now it's like, we're, it, it feels like almost liberating because we don't, we're not necessarily beholden to every day talking about, you know, our hatred for the government or whatever it is. We're talking about this or that or, or whatever. And and so it's, it's super liberating, but um, well, it's, it's good to develop and not be a hold into like, you know, one name or creative, whatever. Um, all right, Sid, any, uh, anything you want to throw at us before we call it an episode? Nah, man, you guys covered it all. All right, there you go. We solved the world's problems. Dr. Carr, it was As an always. honor having you, uh, back on and, uh, always an honor to be here, man. Good luck with the fag cast for rebranding. Thanks, man.